Uh, it's so we're starting an hour later today, and I thought, awesome, I'll get more sleep. Nope. Or I guess I did get more sleep, but I'm still just as tired as I was. At Funny story. Last week, I was like, yeah, I get to sleep in one more hour today, but Kelly's car broke down, so I had to take her to work. Oh. So, and Kelly works at like oh. some ridiculous hour in the morning. So, same. Mm. Mm. And I slept right up until the second you called me. (laughs) (laughs) You deserve some sleep. Now that there's nothing to do, I told you guys, I said, now that there's nothing to do, I'm like walking around in the backyard in circles, like, okay, let me go feed the chickens again. (laughs) (laughs) Is it weird? Like, just all of a sudden, everybody's gone? I know it was going to be, it's like that vacuum. It's like all of a sudden, there's like like that vacuum of... And there's nothing to do. I mean, I have plenty to do. Like I have to, I'm rebuilding the porch in the front. So I have plenty of things to take care of. And, uh, so every time I find myself with like idle, I'm like, there's things to do. Go, go do those things. There's things to do. Uh, go, go clean up that part of the yard. There's things to do. But because there's no deadlines related to the show and all the various different deadlines that we, we dealt with every day. It's like, okay, today, I know today we got to finish this by the end of the day. And tomorrow we got to finish that by the end of the day. You know, all that urgency is, is removed. Hmm. So I just find myself like scrolling Instagram and then going, Oh wait, I forgot. I got to put all that wood in the fire, or, you know, all this scrap wood or, Oh, I got to go. So that was yesterday. I did get a lot done yesterday, but there are a lot of like nonsense breaks like, oh, let me go yeah, get a coffee. Yeah, but you haven't had that in a really long time, so that's probably... Yeah, probably 100%. Need, right? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, like I, I, I knew it. I mean, I was, I was self-aware. I was kind of taking advantage of it. And then last night, I've been going for my little bike rides, which is the whole reason I bought my watch, so I could... I was always jealous of you, Bob. Like, you, like, so the screen grab of your run, hmm. you know, like, the little, like, pace and track where you go. And uh, I was like, I want to know where I'm riding and how I ride, and... <laughs> The fitness app is unbelievable. I mean, I guess it has to work in conjunction with the watch. But if I literally, like, I forgot to turn my app off last night when I got home and I, like, walked to the chicken coop and closed the chicken coop and then I walked into the garage and, then and like, <laughs> my app, it shows all those little footsteps that I did. Yeah. In, instead of, like, you know, like, because it's the bicycle part of the app. So I figured I'm off the bike. I just forgot. I, hit, I forgot to hit stop. But then it just shows all the... Uh, Every little every little place you go, it's not vague. It's like exactly where you went. Yeah, that's the government watching you, making sure you're you're behaving. Yeah, I'm glad I didn't get vaccinated. <laughs> Make sure you're feeding your chickens. <laughs> I'm joking. I, I did get vaccinated, but the joke is people worry about being tracked to me. While mm-hmm. yeah, the phone knows exactly. Like, literally, like if I walk straight and I step outside of like a path and come back into that path, you will see that little jog on the on that little walk path that gets Crazy recorded accurate. in the fitness app. How's yeah. it been? I was, <laughs> I saw your Instagram where you were like showing the watch and I immediately thought like, I wonder how different that is for him from wearing a Rolex. Cause you've probably worn that Rolex for the last 30 years or 20. Something. I've had it for 23 years. Yeah. Okay. So how different it, is it to have a, just a different object there? It, you know, you it's know. almost the same weight. The only differences is that I like the little tensioning band. You could, just I'm always tugging on the magnet and tightening it because I get like a skinny wrist here and then a fat wrist here. So it's always sliding back and forth. So I'm always just grabbing the magnet and just pulling it a little bit tighter. And it's a little, it's a touch lighter than the, than the Rolex. So it's, it's almost unnoticeable, you know, because the, the, the Rolex, I keep it a little loose. So it's always like flopping around on my wrist. This it's just enough light enough. And then it's got this, uh, you know, the band itself has the ability to kind of stay in place. So it's not it doesn't twist around. Like I'm always putting my arm yeah. on the table and the Rolex is face down. And that's why partly why it's completely beat up, because I'm always like putting my arm down on something and face down bangs the table. This always stays face up, which I like, obviously. You know, you could put like I mean for the Rolex if you'd wear it anymore, you could just put some super glue on the underside of it and then put it mm-hmm. on. And then mm-hmm. the face will stay sticking up, mm-hmm. facing up from the top of your wrist. Good tips. Yeah, I mean, I've been shooting, I've been shooting some various clips and stuff for certain videos. Like, uh, you know, I've, I've been working on the tractor or the backhoe, and and uh, I keep making sure I put my Rolex on. I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that nerd. I want to be an <laughs> iWatch nerd. Or they're gonna nerds. The comments are gonna go crazy. But I did it in my last tips video. I completely the whole time I'm wearing it, and then I watched the edit, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm wearing my watch the whole time. I should have put back. Should have put on my costume. You've changed. You've changed. 
So um, I have been watching your Instagram, but like always, I don't have the volume up on my phone, so I never know what you're talking about. <laughs> and that goes for everybody who has oh, Instagram. I, know, I, do the same I don't know what you're saying, but I've been like, watching you. It's a new filter that like kind of p- takes what you take, takes what you say, and makes it into words. I see if some oh, people yeah. use that. Yeah, it's good. But I'm curious about the uh, the porch. You completely ripped up the porch around your house, which is a big wraparound. Like yes, a, that's a big deal. So right? in early May, I got new homeowners insurance, and then the, and the guys came and inspected the house, and they said, you know, everything's cool. You got to fix your porch, but they meant one little part like above, not the floor. And so I hired a couple guys that have been working for me here and there. They did the interior of the barn and they fixed the ceiling. And then I was like, you know what, since that's all cockeyed and crooked, why don't you fix that too? And then it got turned into this like oh boy. ball of wax that they just really couldn't handle. And then I came one day and they had cut all the boards like one foot back. Like we could replace it. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're all planks that come like perpendicular off the house. Like a traditional porch, not like a deck that you would make, you know, on the back of the house. A traditional porch made 100 years ago on the front where the boards are tongue and groove and they come directly perpendicular off the house to the end of the porch. They cut back like one foot. They're like, oh, we'll replace it. I'm like, how are you going to replace it? It's tongue and groove. You got to remove the entire area and like then nest them and jostle them like bricks, you know, to get... I was fairly annoyed, and so I let them play around for a couple more days, and then just forget it. Don't fix anything else anymore. And then (laughs) somebody else came recommended, another person, and I said to Taylor, if he does not, I I told that guy that morning, I was like, I want the whole entire porch replaced. Everything. And I said to Taylor, if he doesn't prop the porch up, loosen all the poles, get the sag out of the front of the building— and start dismantling the deck. I told him that morning, I said, do everything. I don't care. I want the whole entire place redone. He spent the entire day digging two holes without removing the deck, like without even beginning to remove the deck, like not even like starting. And I said to Tessa, get rid of him. So she got rid of him. <laughs> that night she texted him and said, would she bury him? <laughs> yeah, she buried him in the backyard with the backhoe. <laughs> in the holy drug, he drug his own grave. <laughs> yeah, he literally <laughs> dug his own grave. And uh, I I got a couple of uh, people here and there saying they were going to help me. And then I just got anxious and I just started doing it myself. Wow. (laughs) And now I'm preparing the whole site. And today, Mike, uh, Mike, the fireman who works with me, he's going to come and start digging some of the holes. Anything for exercise. Mike's like he's an animal. He just loves anything physical. So he saw my Instagram story last night where I was I put a string right where every one of the poles were with a little nut and bolt on the end just to keep it kind of like a plumb bob to point right at the ground where there should be a footing. There was the, the footings under the porch were just like tree stumps. Whoever built this porch 100-something years ago just went out and cut trees and just stuck them on the dirt, and those became the footings for the porch. And, they, of course, they're <laughs> rotted. And the, uh, the biggest problem was the, the porch itself is one thing, the, the floor where you stand, but the, f- the ceiling over that is all relating to what's happening below because the columns literally hold it up. And because the porch was drooping, so was the roof. And so that's why I was anxious to prop the roof up. This is something I should have done several years ago. I knew it was really bad. And every year when we have severe ice storms, I'm like, that's it, my porch is going to fall down. But it never did. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I just really, I really just got lucky that it didn't happen because there the corners where the most weight is, we're just sitting on just dust, rusty, rotted, dusted wood hmm. on top of a tree stump that was just rotted and dusted into the ground. So I just, I, I got very lucky. Wow. And I don't really like doing this type of construction work, but, you know, like I said, everything, if you want something done right, you're just going to have to do it yourself. If I keep waiting for people to show up, if I keep waiting for contractors to give me a quote, if I keep waiting, I'll just do it myself now that I got yeah. a few minutes. I do have projects to do, but this is something I could certainly do. And, you know, I welcome the physicality of it. Just something mm-hmm. I, you know, I get so used to just sitting on my workbench and doing simple things. So now something like this, that's, you know, it, it's not something you typically do because you don't like it, but is it something that you have done enough throughout the years that you don't really have to plan ahead and think through mm-hmm. the construction yeah. method? Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just mm-hmm. the work. Yeah. 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 Like if you if you saw any of the stories, they did it, they did it the right way, but they just they used probably about forty percent less wood than current coach would want to use. That's why the deck was always so bouncy. Like I looked at the pile of wood once I removed the whole frame. 
in the pile of wood that should be there, it should be at least twice as much, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, 60% more. So that's, uh, so it's going to be much stronger. I know that. And I, I did a little illustrator drawing just so that I can do a, a count of how many pieces I need, how many pieces of lumber I need. And so that'll get me in the ballpark. And then I'll probably just under order and then use that up. And then once I need more, I'll just go get more. Yeah, yeah it's a local guy I can get it from. So I'm going to use uh, the treated two by eight, two by eights. Yeah, treated two by eights. The reason I ask that is because I have done a few different decks in that type of construction. You know, um, I've never made like an overhead porch, but I've done that before. But I don't do it often enough to where I just have the. I have to think about it. You know, like I don't have mm-hmm. that just I could sit down and immediately start cutting boards and laying things out. And I was watching somebody build a deck on on YouTube a couple days ago. And they were talking about how they didn't even have a drawing. They were just kind of making it up as they went, which is totally plausible yeah. if you have that kind of locked yeah. in knowledge of this is how you do a post and this is how you set the, the first row. And then this is how you set the perpendicular pieces to that. Um, if you've done that enough to have that little, that tiny little process like in your quiver, then you can do that on the fly and you can change the dimensions for whatever. But watching them and hearing them say that, I was like, oh yeah, you know, like I would have to double check myself. I would have to like yeah. go watch exactly how to build a deck again, just to make sure that I'm not skipping a step or whatever, because it's not something I've done enough. And then yeah, you know, I talked recently about, or a while back now, I guess, about building a, a pottery studio for my wife. And it's going to be like a separate building, like a shed. And that's one of those things where, like, it sounds easy enough. It's like basic framing, you know, mm-hmm. on some posts. But then when the, like, the actual, when I go to do it, there's this little bit of self-doubt where I'm like, do I actually remember how to do this correctly? Like, what do I need to look up and what am I going to do wrong you know, just because I don't have the experience or that locked-in knowledge, so I'm just yeah. curious if that was second. No, it's it's you. true. It's not. It's not. I've done it my life. All my life, I've done framing and construction. You know, in college, but I haven't done it obviously in all that time. And uh, I see enough of it, and I just keep thinking to myself: if April Wilkerson was here, she could do this in like one day. <laughs> That's the truth. So I keep thinking, like April loves doing the stuff, but she does it so well. I was like, God, what's April and her crew that could do this in like an hour? All I needed was the wood, some nails, and some beers, and this thing would be done in like two hours. But uh, uh, what was I going to say? Um, the funny self-realization I had, it's just a stupid porch, but the realization I had about myself was I'm still stuck in the past a little bit. And this could be a topic. It doesn't have to be. I'm still stuck in the past of like just trying to fix things and not replace things. And that's why I kind of had these guys. It's not really their fault. I kind of sent them down the road of like just repairing this end. Of course, the roof was drooping there the most. And then I should have taken a flashlight, looked under the thing and just said, rip the whole thing out from the beginning. I didn't. I gave the second guy that option and he didn't take it. That was his fault. But the realization of me going from, okay, let me try and fix this up to just like, Making that decision saying, okay, this whole thing just needs to be completely done over. There's no fixing this. If I'm fixing this, it's just temporary because it's going to need to be fixed again and again and again. And then getting to that point where I just said, let me just rip the entire thing off and start from scratch, clean the whole surface work area and go back to zero. And I wondered, it made me have a moment of like self-actualization. Like, How many times do I take the shortcut and not try and do the real thing. Hmm. I find myself doing that more often now just because of time. But now that the show's over, I'm going to actually get a little bit more time back to do more of a full analytical approach to things and make a bigger plan. But that whole little deck thing was a little existential moment for me when I said, why do I keep just trying to fix stuff? Why don't I just replace things that need full on replacing? And, you know, obviously I got a little bit more money now where I could do it. And I'm just kind of stuck in that little financial void where it's like, oh, if I only fix it now, I only have to spend this many hundreds of dollars Mm. now versus, you know, this many thousands of dollars. And I'm going to, by doing it myself, uh, like I said, I'm getting the exercise. I'm getting a little bit more experience. And of of course, I'm saving probably $10,000 in labor by doing it myself. And I get a YouTube video out of it with some tricks and tips in it. 
Mm. So, so ultimately, I just I, that little moment where I the light bulb went off and somebody was sitting on my shoulder said, "Hey, stupid! Why don't you just fix the entire thing, get rid of it, start completely over?" I mean, there was a little bit of sentimental value having to rip up the deck, the flooring on the deck. It, you know, it, like it looked really nice, although the frame was horrible. It's like, oh, if I could save it. So I saved it. I don't know. I'll make something else out of it. I can't really put it back down. It has too many layers of paint on it, and the edges are all rotted where it just kind of met the outside edge. The whole edge of this looks like rotted teeth. It's like the last one inch of all the wood was rotted from the rain. We have a, a porch, and the porch is perfectly fine, but those edges stick out and didn't get painted over the years. So it does look like rotted teeth where they're all kind of coming apart. And I have no idea how to fix that because they run all the way through the entire porch, except for these parts that stick out. And I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a... I don't think there's a way to fix it without replacing the entire floor. I thought about years ago, and again, just in the fix-up mode, not the replacement mode, cutting back like one inch and just putting a piece of like mahogany or something. Mm. And then, but then you still have the, the, it's like a breadboard end where the whole deck breathes and, and then the breadboard end is going to be stick, st- stiff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's, there is no easy answer. You could, I guess, like get epoxy and Bondo and fill it all in and kind of shape it square <laughs> but then again that won't breathe all the wood will breathe yeah. so who knows uh, there is no real easy fix hmm well when you're done with your porch come on over because i ain't doing it <laughs> i'll come right over <laughs> so we had some friends over a couple days ago and they they walked in and were looking at our kitchen and they were like so would you be interested in coming to work on our kitchen? Yeah, <laughs> no way. There is no way. <laughs> You're like, no get way out. ever. Get out now. <laughs> yeah, oh, a friend man. of mine, my friend of mine, who's making over her house, having a hard time finding a contractor. She's like, "Hey, I got to talk to you." I'm like, "Okay." Well, I thought maybe somebody we grew up with was in trouble. I'm like, "What's up?" She's like, "I'm sending you a PDF. You have to look at it." I'm like, "I'm not doing any interior design." She goes, "No, no, no, no. Just look at it before you say no. Just look at it." <laughs> And it's this whole thing of like build this whole apothecary apothecary cabinet like I did for my machine shop years ago. And it's like long and wide and it's got a sink in it. She's like, please consider it. I'll pay you handsomely. I'm like, I don't know if I want to do this. This is too much work. The first thing I said, I go, I'm not doing any installations. She's like, you don't have to install it. You just have to make it. She's like, so I don't know. She's still working on me. She keeps texting me. Did you see the picture yet? I go, I saw the picture. She's like, what do you think? And then I ignore her for two days. I'll tell you what will happen. Because I know your pattern. You'll ignore it for a little while. And then in about two months, you'll be like, you know what? I need a video. And I could do that thing in about two days. So. Hmm. you'll do it and then you'll have somebody can pick it up and install it i thought that through yeah and it'll be awesome (laughs) i thought about that yeah yeah well david what have you been up to uh i haven't made anything since the last time we talked today as a a wednesday i'm releasing the the house tour video of all the projects that i made and i think i already talked about that Uh, so our week our schedule kind of Got flipped around. Dan usually comes on Tuesdays, but this week he's coming on Thursday. And I think we're making this little shaker-style table, but I'm not 100%. So if you never see this video, it's because I switched it up. But uh, a while ago, my grandpa's friend, who's a farmer, uh, he cuts down trees and then mills up wood and gives all this beautiful wood to his friends and and, uh, and sells it to his neighbors. But he gave me this... Um, I think it's Douglas fir and this tree w- had a chain wrapped around it most of its life. And so the tree kind of grew around this chain and when they cut it down and the chain was removed, there's like this weird void in there. And he's like, when I was over at his house last summer, he showed this to me and he's like, what would you do with this? And I was like, well, you could, uh, where that gap is where the chain was you know you you could maybe fill that with epoxy and kind of highlight this this defect and he's like here take this wood and do it and show me what you mean so he gave me all this beautiful douglas fir and uh so that might be one of the projects that i that i do so we'll see we'll see um but it does this wood does have a kind of a cool story and and a history and i think he grew up with this tree so um 
I don't even know what I'm going to do with the table. I just, maybe he'll take it. I don't know. I don't know. He's a woodworker himself. So I don't know if, if he would want something that I would make, I don't have room for this table. So maybe it'll, it'll go to a family friend or, or something. So we'll see. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking about right now is this defected chain tree. Yeah. That sounds kind of cool. We have one tree in our backyard that, um, when my grandparents lived here, they had a little, I guess it was just a birdhouse or something hanging. There were two tiny little chains that had been wrapped around this one branch were hanging down. There was something hanging at the bottom of that. And that branch grew around those two chains. And this is like the thin, really thin chain. And so now there's just these two pieces of chain sticking out of the bottom of this branch, but you can't see the wrap around at all. It was completely overgrown. So it's really strange. But then we've, that's become the climbing tree for my kids. And we have this big swing thing that's hung in part of it like a, I don't know. It's like a, like a two person single That's the point one you made swing. in the video? That's the one you made in the video? No, 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 no. This is just a, a thing we bought that anyway, there's a couple of different swings hanging in this tree. And the other day, one of the ropes broke from the swing. And so we got to looking at, you know, well, where can we move this now? And then looking at the connection points, one of them was a rope and just being there for like two years, it had worn in pretty significant amount into the tree or not worn. I guess the tree had grown around it. And then the other one, instead of a rope being strapped up, it's like a seatbelt kind of material. So it's this wide flat thing. And that does an entirely different thing to tree bark. It's really cool. It, it instead of just being a little slot of rope that it grows around, it's this big flat band. And the way the bark kind of lifted up around it and kind of flared out. I don't know. It just looks really cool. But I think if you remove that one, you would have a really cool feature, kind of like mm-hmm. you're talking about. Like mm-hmm. you would have a really cool outside shape that wouldn't look like a rope. Um, so if this tree ever comes down, I'll have to grab that part. For sure. With it, but. Yeah. And then uh, I've been really obsessed with um, film photography lately. I've been, I finally developed some rolls of film and it worked. And I've never developed color film. I've developed dozens and dozens of rolls of black and white film through college and through my first job outside of college and on my own. And I, I must, I, I think the process is easier now. I think there's less chemicals um, and there's a nice, cool little convenient kit that you can get. And so I've been playing with different um, experiment or different techniques of scanning the film at home and using a macro lens and a, and a camera. And I think I have a technique that works. And so I want to do a couple more rolls and try to get my workflow down. And I want to make a, a video on that. And I have some, I have some, I, what I think are cool photography and woodworking based projects coming up where I feel like anybody can be a good photographer. Now there's so much information out there. Everybody has a phone with them at all times. And there's so many inspiring people that you can watch and follow. So I think the ability to be a good photographer is available to just about anybody. So to kind of separate myself, I've, I've, I've come up with a few photography themes where I want to take like a roll film of all the, the same thing. So like, shadows at 45 degrees and that's a, that's a whole theme and maybe out of that roll of film we get good a 15 a good 15 prints or a roll of nothing but leaves of different colors in the fall time or old doors and then try to make a frame that holds 15 or 12 or whatever amount of these photos and it turns into this really big piece so i print out all the photos at eight mm. by ten and then I make this frame and it has all these dividers in there. And then it's, it's kind of a, what I think is a cool way to blend photography and woodworking together to come up with these gigantic art pieces. So that's, Sounds that's what like I'm fun. working on now. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. That's a cool idea. I just thought of a, of a topic. We already have a topic for today, but I thought of another topic. All right. Write it down. <laughs> so I'm going to write it down on that. Same post-it notes we have for the future. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Look forward to seeing that one. Um, what have I been doing? Hmm. <laughs> I'm assuming no co- I can't countertops. Remember. 
No countertops. No. I see no R2D2 is in XT. Was he outside raking the leaves? Uh, no, he's up in the kitchen in the living room. He's That's where he lives now. Now it's he's a couch cool. potato. You got him built and he's just watching TV all the time. Yeah. He's just Eating up there hanging chips. out in the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was funny. I, I took him up there for uh, to do pictures because we didn't have any place to roll him around down here. It's too, there's just too much stuff. And so when we took the final video and stuff, we carried him up into the living room where it's it's still kind of open because we're still moving stuff around for the kitchen. And then he just stayed up there. And Jenny walked in one day and she was like, oh, he looks pretty good in here. I'm like, yeah. I'm kind of like, looking at her like Does that mean he can stay? <laughs> and he stayed. So he's just like living up there. Um, so, so the room so you're in now, skipping. does it feel super open since R2-D2 is not it in there? Yeah. Yeah, it really does. This whole area behind me, he just usually has been this big block right there. And so it it's definitely feels different in here. Um, it's weird to have something like that that you get. I got so used to seeing it as just part of the room, part of the set dressing, and now it's gone. It feels a little bit strange, but um, no, no countertops yet. They were supposed to get material on Friday, and then we were going to hear back from scheduling uh, about getting them installed. I still haven't heard anything, which means I think they probably didn't even get the material. So, And we're supposed to be going on vacation next week, I think, soon, sometime soon. And so, I don't know, I don't make the plans, but uh, the install, we were kind of thinking we might be able to get the install done right before we left, but now we haven't heard anything, so it's probably going to try to happen while we're gone, and I'm not going to let that happen, which means we won't get them until after we get back, at least, and uh, such a hassle, but still no countertops. Um and we're not actually putting a video out this week because of that vacation. We're like, I'm taking a week off and then Anthony has been off this week. Um, and so this whole month is kind of like, we're not going to have everybody in place, you know, throughout the month. It's everybody's kind of jumping around. So this, it's going to be a little bit weird schedule wise. So we're taking this week off so that we can prepare to have stuff out for the next few weeks, even though we won't all be here. And that's a little bit weird. I mean, Every time I skip a week, it's a, there's a little bit of like that. It's almost like FOMO. It's like a, you feel like you've missed an opportunity to put something out to to just have a piece of content, which equals income. You know, it's so it's a little bit strange to <clears throat> excuse me to decide not to do that. Just like we're just not going to make money this week. <laughs> but, um, so, but anyway, we just don't have anything for this week, but we're working on stuff for the next couple of weeks. I've been working on the Carmagee a little bit, trying to get the gas tank. I think I talked about that last time. Get the gas tank connected and um, uh, I finally got some parts in yesterday so that it can actually be connected now. So that'll be cool to see if I can get it running off an actual gas tank. Hmm. Like reasonably safe instead of a plastic bottle, but we'll see. And then I'm working on some furniture. I haven't done any furniture projects in quite a while. And I have a cool little table that I want to start working on. So I'm, I'm starting with uh, Rough Sawn Cherry and trying to build a table like from Rough Sawn Wood, you know, following the entire process of milling it down and, and making this kind of thin. It's not like a big beefy table. It's like a thin little detailed table from this big thick piece of wood so i'll see if that turns out i'm not sure but that's kind of what i've been up to um we have flow state written down on this post-it note as mm -hmm. a topic and this came from you david so yeah you want to uh, introduce this i've listened to a couple books recently and um one of them i wouldn't recommend the other one i would recommend it's called make brilliant work but both of them briefly talk about flow state and I've experienced this many times in my life, especially during when I used to play in a band and I'd be up on stage. There is this like, it's almost like you leave your body and you're in the moment. And then I will talk to people the next day and I don't even remember like what happened that previous day because I was, I was somewhere else. I was in the zone. And I used to get this um, maybe when at home when creating... Uh, writing songs or working on on pieces or or doing woodworking before filming, and I realized 
it's been a long time since I have personally been in that flow state. And I wanted to see how you guys feel about that. If, if you get there yourself, if you work towards that. And I think the reason I don't get into that flow state anymore is because when I am doing creative stuff, there's usually somebody else here with me, like Dan, Dan's filming. And I might be in the zone, but I am not totally lost in the moment because somebody else is there. And it's it seems to be something that can only happen when I'm by myself and there are no distractions. Do you have, do you, can you guys relate to that at all? I, I can relate to it. Yeah, I'm curious about that in relation to playing a live show because I totally know that feeling where you're playing music and you get lost in the music and you can, it's just time goes away. But you're not alone in that situation. Mm. In fact, you are feeding off of the other people that you're playing music with. This is true. Whether yeah. you're aware of that or not. So yeah. that's kind of an interesting thing for you to say about being alone. Do you think it's maybe uh, maybe less about being alone and more about being uh, singular of focus or of like, I don't know how to say oh, that in a, in yeah. a way. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, maybe when I'm making videos, there's multiple things going on at the same time because I'm I'm creating this piece in front of me. I'm also worried about getting the shot. And hey, is my is my microphone working? Am I in frame? Do we have all right? So maybe it is uh, uh, the amount of of things that I'm focused on at one time. Hmm. I haven't felt that thing that you're talking about in a very, very long time. And I think it's, I've felt it in music for sure, especially live performance, because there's just like a different kind of energy that you, you get out of playing music in front of people. It's, it's like nothing else I've ever felt, but I've also oddly, I've gotten that feeling writing code. There's, there's a certain thing about when you have an idea about how to execute an action with code, it takes steps to get there. You have to build a kind of understructure. You have to build the, the, the tools to then implement the tools to get a thing done. And so there's a, a long process of, of action that you have to take kind of, you can't do the direct work. Play guitar, you're playing the music. With code, you have to work it more abstractly, and then it becomes a little bit more focused, and then a little bit more focused until you're actually doing the thing that your your intention was to do. And there's something about that in the past where I've gotten when I used to do um, like uh, freelance work. You know, I'd start working at ten o'clock when the kids would go to bed, and then I'd work until three o'clock in the morning. And that was one of those completely undistracted, really focused. I'm trying to get this thing done put some music on, nobody talks to me, there's nothing else happening, and I could get lost for four or five hours in writing code and not realize that the time had passed. So I definitely had that feeling there as well. But I don't think I've had it since then. I can't mm-hmm. really think of anything I do now that, that has that same kind of focus. I, I have found myself... Uh, I like or I've become very comfortable of having background noise on. I will watch the same movie many times, dozens of times. Like I'll put on back to the future as like a background thing while I'm uh, designing something or working, working on something because I feel like I need this, this background thing or, or music is on, or I'm listening to an audio book. And I feel like I, that is one of the reasons that I don't get into this this state anymore is because I, I I'm there's too many there's too many outside forces trying to get mm-hmm. into my brain. And so I've consciously said, you know what? We're not gonna throw on a movie. You're just going to work in complete silence. And you don't need to have music on all the time. You can you can focus on the on this thing. So I'm trying to I mean, even outside the the subject of flow state, just working without distractions because we're all we always have a phone we're always getting texts or notifications and there's computer and the internet and like i'll be working on something and, and then this thought c- comes to my mind i'm like hmm, how much does that cost and then like you you get on amazon and, and you, you yeah. 
you start doing research, it's almost like I'm looking for reasons to be distracted. And it didn't used to be that way. I don't know if it's just like a, um, if it's a technology thing or if an age thing, or it's just I've, I've evolved into this, but I'm looking for reasons to be distracted. And now I'm trying to trick myself into not getting distracted. I had a, on Monday, um, Josh didn't come in and because it was the 5th of July and so told, you know, told him to take the day off. And Jenny took the kids to go do something. And for the first time in, I don't even remember how long, I had a work day where I was here by myself with no requirement, with no real plan, with no, you have to be on this call at this certain time, or I didn't have anything. And it was quiet. And there was nobody here that I felt that I had to you know, like interact with or do things with or prepare things for. It was just me and time. And it was so weird. And I think for that reason, because we're so used to like, there's a thousand things going on, no matter what your situation is. Like there's always stuff. Yeah, that's that's the vacuum that I'm finding myself in right now, but I'm enjoying it. I really am enjoying it. It's good, right? I mean, it's good for you, but it feels strange to, to all of a sudden have fewer things biting for your like attention and for your, you know, it was a really nice day though. And I got a lot of stuff done that wasn't video worthy or anything. It was just stuff I needed to get done. I kind of like resolved to, I'm just going to replace this windowsill. Like nobody cares about that, but it needs to be done. So I'm just going to do that. <laughs> and I did it and it was really, really nice Um, for that reason, just to, just to not feel pulled in, in so many directions for an afternoon. But and I can imagine, Jimmy, that you are probably feeling that not being pulled in so many different ways. No, it's good because the, 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 some of the crew is still here. They're packing out and getting things ready to go to storage, and I see them. And I like in the past, in the past three months, it would be like, oh, there, there's people here starting. I need to get down there because they never really come to the house, and no one's ever knocked on my window and saying you're late for anything. They just text me, and I see the people down there, and the urgency of me having to be connected to them now is completely gone, and that's really nice. And, but as far as like a flow state, the only thing I could, the most, I started carving recently, I carved on that heart and I did get into a little bit of a flow state with that. Whereas like I kept saying, okay, let me just carve for about 10 more minutes. And then suddenly it's 35 minutes has gone by. And then I, oh, let me, that was a pretty good run. Let me do five more minutes. And then I get into it and then suddenly time kind of fades away, which is something I need to carve more. I need to get more into it. That's that little, uh, that little experience is something I haven't had in a long time. But prior to that, I guess the barbecue that I built, I was just thinking through, there was so many details on the barbecue that I had to just completely immerse myself in making it. And what's next and what's next and what's next. Okay. Once I weld that, what happens next? It it was a huge undertaking. Everything was heavy. and, And that was a fun project because of because it was a lot of figuring out, but I remember, and, and Aaron just left me alone. Like he, Aaron's really good. He doesn't bother me whenever there's like that type of thing going on. He's always there if I needed his help, but he's busy. He busies himself doing whatever else. And I just immersed myself in getting it done. I mean, there was a deadline for the Lincoln electric team because they had to write an article on it. And, but I had a, toward the end there, I had a couple of really cool, several hours where I was just like jamming, 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 setting the camera, jamming, jamming, jamming. And yeah. So fun. going back to the guitar thing, when you were carving guitars in the nineties, there's probably less distraction. Did you notice a difference in carving a guitar now when you have your phone sitting right next to you or your, your, your watch is going off or maybe you have a laptop in the, in the shop? Did you find yourself looking at those screens? The difference is, is like when I would carve in the 90s, I'd have two or three photocopies to like reference whatever my imagery was. Now like I'm kept constantly like opening my phone to see like, okay, what what does this mm. ventricle look like? Or what is that part of the heart? And then, so that was actually convenient, but it didn't, it didn't distract me in that way. Mm. And I probably just, when I'm doing that type of thing, I, I make a conscious decision to play music as opposed to like a podcast because the podcast will make you start being analytical, make you start thinking about stuff and like, well, how do I relate to what I'm listening to? Whereas if I'm just listening to music, you know, familiar music or something that I've always liked, then I can really just focus on what I'm doing with my hands. 
and my eyes, my eye-hand coordination and making artistic decisions. So there are moments where I consciously do not put on a podcast or listen to something where there's people talking. I'll put on music. I'll put on like jazz. I mean, I really like Chet Baker and John Coltrane. Those are really good types of music, like that whole era of jazz from the 50s on. That whole genre of music will really make me get into like a flow state where I'm just autopilot being an artist or whatever it is I'm working on. But if it's something like machining, like where it's, I always listen to podcasts on a machining because it has to be a little bit more analytical. You got to like stop and think what's next. Okay. Let me make sure I don't injure myself by doing this. And so it's funny. I never really stopped to think about it till just now, but there are those moments where I make a, a conscious decision to, to play a certain thing in my head while I'm doing something else. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do the same thing with running. I intentionally listen to podcasts or audiobooks while I'm running only because it does occupy my brain and it distracts me from the fact that I'm running. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. I've been riding my bicycle, same thing. I put on like a lengthy podcast and yeah. it uh, distracts from the fact that I can't ride up a hill. <laughs> <laughs> I found that uh, recently I've been listening to a couple of books and, while I'm running and I will be listening along and I'll, they'll make a good point and I'm like, oh yeah, and I could take that and I could think about it this way and I could, you know, and I start like going off on my own little figuring out of what they said and applying it to myself and then I realize that I've missed about like five minutes of this book that I'm not. So that's one problem with that is that yeah. you still, you have that repeated action continues on but you, like I have to actively pause the thing I'm listening to to let my brain then fill in the gaps and think through something. But um, it's weird, like in the shop, I I think before YouTube, I used to listen to music a lot more when I was doing things, when I was making stuff. And now that when we're filming, I don't want to have that on in the background by accident. And so I like, I just kind of leave music off unless I know that, you know, this afternoon is like preparing material and I'm not going to film any of it or whatever. But I, I don't let the music become the soundtrack in my head, like you're talking about that, to let you get that that state because I just keep it off uh, because of the the filming. So I'm curious here if, you know, if we're talking about the reason this is difficult for us to do is because of the amount of things that we're trying to keep track of in most of these situations. What can we do? What could anybody do to pull the distractions out? I think you could put your phone away. You could take your watch off. That would help. But like, what else could you do to get your mind focused more on a single thing to make it easier to get into this? I'll tell you a funny thing. I'm from the era. I'm probably, I guess I'm about 10 years older than both of you guys, right? So I'm from the era when the phone, if you called somebody and nobody picked up, Joe Rogan does a whole funny thing like this. He goes, he goes, remember the day when you would call somebody and the phone, nobody picked up and that was the end of it. And then you had no idea where that person was until you saw them again <laughs> on the street. But I'm from that era when... If somebody calls me, I just look and go, I'll talk to them later. And I just hit ignore. I do that a lot. I do it a lot more now than ever because there was this urgency of, and a lot of people who grew up with the phone, immediately the phone rings say, hello, I can't talk right now. Can I call you back? Just talk to them when you can talk to them. You're not dead. They're not dead. You know, and if there is an emergency, they'll text you 911 or whatever. And uh, so I'm from that era where so many times in a day my phone rings, I just look at it and go, I'll talk to them later. And I do catch up. I do talk to them later, whoever it is. Most of it's spam these days. So it's like I'm trained by spam to just not even look or care who's ringing. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a couple of icons for the important people. So if I see from across the room my phone's ringing and I can see who it is, I'll be like, all right, I'll talk to the person. But for the most part, I just kind of ignore every time my phone rings. I feel like uh, um, in when you're trying to be productive and you're trying to be creative, you're constantly having to trick yourself, and the tricks that you do evolve over time because the the techniques will fade away, and then you got to come up with a new technique. And I think that's why there are so many of these books. Uh, that I seem to be addicted to, where I'm trying to learn how to be more productive and and more creative. Um, but I think right now it is like blocks of time, like for the next hour, I am doing this thing. And you know what? I'm going to put my phone in the house. I'm going to take my watch off and there aren't, there's not going to be any distractions. 
I'm just going to do this thing. You remind me, and I've talked about this several times, how I trick myself, like, for instance, this porch job, which is obviously overwhelming. And I just keep saying to myself, okay, while I'm busy worrying about the overall job, let me just remove the wood. While I'm busy worrying about mm-hmm. the overall job, mm-hmm. let me just dust off the sill plate. While I'm busy worrying about the overall job, let me just organize all these tiny little cutoffs into this one pile. While I'm busy worrying about how I'm going to do this, let me just remove all these nails. And I keep telling myself that. And when I look back, like all that is meaningful work towards the end goal. And But the entire time, I'm like, wow, this is so overwhelming. How am I going to do this? Well, you need to at least sweep the floor. So I sweep the floor. Well, this is so, okay, this piece of wood has to go over there because that's going to be in the way when you do that other thing, When you, if you ever do get to it. And I'm like, okay. So, and then like the whole time I'm tricking myself step by step to get to the end. And then all of a sudden the guitar is in front of me and the chisels are in front of me. And I'm like, okay, I because I have to draw a picture on here. Okay, let me, uh, this is so overwhelming. Let me just draw this picture. And then, so I'm slowly, slowly chipping away at it while I'm, convincing myself i have no idea what i'm doing yeah and i know we've we've mentioned this countless times in in different episodes but i i know that i have this mental plate spinning thing where like all of the things that i possibly have to think about with all the different parts of my life my life i feel like i am I, there's some reason I need to keep them in the air and I need to be thinking about them to some degree all the time, but that makes it completely unproductive to think about any of them. <laughs> and like, I know I do this. I catch myself daily doing this. And every single time that I've ever caught myself, and which is, this is not enough, but every time that I've caught myself and said, you know what, if I just write the things down, they're not spinning anymore, but I've got them. They're here. And I don't have to think about it because it's on this list and I can come back to the list when I have time or whatever. That is so helpful just to, like, I'm worried about forgetting something. And so I keep it there. I, like, picture these little corners of my head. Like, I keep it right there. It's in the way, and it's causing other things not to get done. But it's right there, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was walking around in the kitchen a couple of weeks ago just, like, thinking, like, man, it's so overwhelming. There's so many, like, little stupid things left to do in this kitchen. I got to, like make a register for this AC thing. I got to like paint this thing. I got to remember to put caulk behind the door with the little thing. And it's so overwhelming. And then I just, okay, I'm going to write all these things down. And I wrote a list on a scrap of paper, everything I could possibly think of that had to be done in that kitchen. And what a huge weight that was just to let go of that. And it made it so that when I went to do something that was not the kitchen, I didn't feel like I had that mental weight of all of the kitchen you know, frayed ends of work were not there anymore. They're on a piece of paper somewhere. And if Mm -hmm. I need to know what they are, I can go look at them. But I think that's something that I need to be better about is just writing things down in in groups of, you know, stuff to do or, or like outstanding tasks or whatever. And it's not even really to have a checklist. It's more just to like to say it out loud, to write it down on paper and let go of it so that my brain then has room to do to focus on the single task that I'm trying to focus on. One of the, uh, uh, um, maybe this is couple couples advice or marriage advice is one of the things that I do this, I'm sure lots of other people do this, but we'll say something along the lines of, oh yeah, we need to go get mulch sometime. Or, you know, we, we, we got to pull weeds. And instead of just saying this, this thing that needs to be done with no deadline or timeline or any kind of call to action is like, you know what, Saturday, we should go get mulch. And you like, if you put a time on that thing and it, it just kind of defines that with the other person of like tomorrow, we need to go to the store and, and, and get a thing instead of like, we need milk. And then just, you're just mm. these phrases that just kind of float out there. And then that thing never gets done. And then those things sit in your brain and they, they pile up. And then they're things that you constantly think about. So I'm trying to add a call to action and a, and a time to the things, to those random things that I say. Yeah, that's a good idea. Cause I, I have a lot of the design work for like future things I know I need to do. And it's the same kind of thing. It's always like, well, one of these days I need to figure that thing out. I should just be like on Friday, mm-hmm. I'm going to figure that thing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a good idea for sure. 
That's a good distraction when uh, you get to a point with something and you're like, I do this often where I say, okay, I'm not going to think about that until Friday or whatever this day is. And I can really just completely forget that it exists until it exists. Yeah. And I'm really good at that. Do you leave yourself a, a reminder to get back to that? Like, does that... Because oh, I feel yeah, like if usually, I just told myself, like, oh, just deal with it on Friday, then I just probably would... Well, I can't forget to deal with it on Friday. And then when I end up thinking about that the whole time. You know I mean? No, well, I like a good example is lately, if some people watch me on Instagram, you'll notice I've been experimenting with pottery and then putting yeah. something in the kiln. The very first thing I put in the kiln, I wanted to just stand at the kiln and watch it for 10 hours or 15 <laughs> hours. And I couldn't, but I kept wanting to like peek. And, you know, all the things I've watched and read, they're like, don't peek, just leave it, don't peek. And I was able to, after the first 20 minutes of being anxious to like, be curious to see where it goes and watch the temperature rise on the thing and go down. I completely forgot about it until yesterday I'm working on the deck and I'm like, Oh my God, my pottery. I got to go check my pottery. And that's when on Instagram, I went and I opened it up for the first time. The kiln had cooled down. It goes through a cycle. It goes all the way up to almost 2000 degrees and goes all the way back down to zero. And they say the safe time to open it is when it's at a hundred or so. And so I ran over to the shop. Now it's almost 20 full hours later from when I put it in and hit start. And I was able to open it up. But the first hour I was anxious. And then the next 19, I completely forgot about it until I remembered it. So that's, I'm good at that. I'm good at like, and I will like, I'll be holding something in my hand knowing that I have to do something with it. And then I'm so forgetful, something will distract me. And then I'll be holding this thing in my hand and I'll be like, why am I holding this? Hmm. Let's think for a minute. What was I going to do with this? Why do I need this? So like so many times I'll like walk into the room and be like, okay, why did I come in here? <laughs> Can't remember why. Yeah. So I I'm had, really good at I'm really good at forgetting things, especially things that I that I just would make me anxious to remember. One of the things that I'm not good at is starting something new when I know I have something to do later in today. For example, today is a great example of that is I have a phone call at four o'clock. And what what I need to do today is I need to start designing the project that we're going to make tomorrow. But I feel like I can't free myself to to work on that design until after that phone call because I need to have a clear schedule. And that's one of the things that I got to get over. And I just got to jump in and start designing tomorrow's project. You know, you know that is um, that specifically is a reason that I try to schedule any phone calls that I have in the morning before lunch. One hundred percent. Yeah. 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 Because I'm the same way. It just feels like you have this thing out there that's just, you know, even if it's like eight hours in the future, like, oh, I can't get anything done before. <laughs> right. Just like wait around for it and waste the day. But, well, any other thoughts on, on this? Hmm. I don't know that I have anything useful. It's more just like a thing that I'm yeah, just, <laughs> I just to figure out. Just just dumping on everybody. But, yeah, it's, it's like not everything... When when I put out videos, you are seeing the best of me. You are seeing this edited version of like, oh, this guy puts out a video, you know, every seven, eight days and he, he must have everything figured out. But I don't. It's a constant struggle. And I'm always trying to outdo myself or get better or learn new things. And all of these things are distractions to me. And it, there is there's a lot of little internal struggles and struggle might be a, a, a harsh word. They're a little the little battles that I have in my head that I just need to get over. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so I, it's, it's good I to was, have was a, at, a dump. Yeah. But, yeah. It, you have to say this stuff out loud. Sometimes I was at a, a 4th of July party with my family, a big extended family get together. And my aunt was, um, giving me all sorts of praise about how, how proud she is of me and everything. And one of the things that she was talking about was how, uh, she knows from the outside that it looks like we just get to make whatever we want all the time and that's all there is to it. But the truth is that it's most of what we do is an, an exercise in time management. And she was praising me for time management. And like, I like she that. was like, I, I understand that that's something that you're really good at that most people don't really recognize. And inside I'm going like, oh, that's really nice. But I feel like I am going crazy <laughs> with time management all the time. Like I'm just like, again, juggling uh, these plates like you don't juggle plates, you spin plates. But imagine if I were juggling plates, like that's what it feels like to me. It's like doing a little bit extra on top of the thing that you actually need to do just to keep it all moving all the time. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with you. But um, well, let me thank our Patreon supporters and 
you guys can pick something to recommend. I have kind of a cool recommendation. I think it's cool, but we'll see. Um, big thanks to everybody at Patreon that support everybody at Patreon, but everybody specifically at Patreon that supports this podcast. Uh, we appreciate you, especially our top supporters, which are Corey Ward, Albers Woodworks, Works by Solo, Chad from Mancrafting, You Can Make This Too, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, Blondie Hacks, Rich at Lowen Designs, Corey from Makeshape Create, and Odin Leather Goods. That list has not changed in a very long time. Those people are awesome. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, also, I want to shout out... Random. Stephen Booker. He's at the top of that list. That sounds like a good like Thanks. 80s cop name. I'm Stephen Booker. Yeah. I break Rick all the Booker rules. Booker was the name of a cop show. <laughs> okay. Then maybe that's oh, why yes. I'm thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> was it the guy who was on Star Trek? Oh, yeah. No, Isn't no, no. It? it was TJ Hooker. Oh, Hooker Booker. Whatever. <laughs> I break all the rules. There's so many people screaming at their speakers right now. Yeah. No, you got it wrong. <laughs> Can't believe I remembered TJ Hooker. Anyway, well, uh, big thanks to them and everybody else that helps us out. We we greatly appreciate it. And if you want to join that crew and get the after show, which will be a little bit longer this week because Jimmy doesn't have a deadline that I'm aware of, um, go to patreon.com slash making it. <laughs> join up. We'd appreciate mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. All right, what you guys got? Anything cool to recommend? So this is not my recommendation, but I want to thank Destin from Smarter Every Day for making the How a Carburetor Works video. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, I saw it. That was great. It's yes. so cool. So um, over the last year and a half, I've been building small engines. And when you take an engine apart and you can see you can see the piston, you can see the connecting rod, you can see uh the, the cam, it all makes sense how those things work. And you can use, and there's all these different formulas on, on what you need to make this work with this and, and whatever horsepower and torque. But the carburetor is always kind of this mystery. And you, you see it, and it's all this weird shaped. And it's so cool to see like somebody break down in a simple, slow motion made out of clear acrylic how a carburetor actually works and it really broke it down into a, a way that i now understand what the carburetor does i did before but i wouldn't been able to explain that to anybody until after seeing this video so that's that's a bonus pick you don't even have to put that in the in the description my actual oh, i'm going to because it's a fantastic video <laughs> um my actual pick is a youtuber called kyle mcdougall and i discovered him uh, i have a skillshare uh, membership and he has this like how uh, like film photography course that I took and I'm like oh this guy has a YouTube channel too and just great very low energy nice and calm very informative uh, videos about film photography and it's and it's fantastic so Kyle McDougall cool I don't know if anybody's been aware of it's got eight million views I just noticed. My buddy Eric from Hand Tool Rescue rebuilt the fractal vice from 1913. Oh, that, really? Yeah. That fractal vice was in my hands because he was he bought it in America and he has hot problems. So oftentimes he'll have things sent to my shop and then I repackage it and send it to him for some reason. That, that's easier. It's a quick for him to just click buy now and send it to my house. So I the vice was sitting in my shop for like three months before because it, it kind of came just as COVID started and nobody knew if mail was going to work ever again or whatever. And so it sat around and like it was on my desk, you know. He got it. He rebuilt it so beautifully. And you have to try to explain what a fractal vice is because it's amazing. A fractal vice is it's got 30 moving jaws and it will encompass any misshapen object. And whoever this patent, he researched the patent and shows the patent in the video. You could put like a, a, a misshapen object. It doesn't necessarily have to have square parallel sides, and it will hug the object. Each one of the little moving jaws swivels in a semicircle. So there's a big semicircle, and then there's two more that take up the two front spaces, and then those break down into four more, and then I think that's it. So it's one, two, and then it breaks down to 15 moving jaws on either side, and each one of them is in a semicircle. So as you close on any misshapen object, it will take the form on the front and back side of that object. So that's a fractal vice. And now it's so funny. We, there's 
on Instagram, like four or five popped up. And he said, he he, he wrote, he sent a message. Maybe I think he did it on Instagram. He says, I apologize, people. Because Fractal Vice now has like become like the number, mm-hmm. like the number one vice searched and looked for. It's pretty crazy. And he has to make one of the little swivel jaws over. This most one of the most smallest ones are missing. I think there's eight of them, and one of them was missing, and he remade it. And it was interesting just to see, because in my mind, I'm like, how in the world is he going to remake this? It's got like a sliding dovetail that's in a curve. He was able to make it. So mm. shout out to Hand Tool Rescue. He put the video yeah. out a couple days ago. It's already like closing in on 9 million views. It, it's funny how trends work. Uh, there's a, um, I just watched a video on somebody 3D printed one the other day so I, I i have the the name right here chris borge um hopefully i'm saying that right but it's a it's a 3d printing channel and he just he just made one so yeah trends yeah it's pretty wild um so mine is a recommendation it's kind of weird it's for a lego set but the creator of this set sent me a message on instagram uh and asked if i was interested in checking it out and then we've also gotten some messages from i think nick uh, and a few other people we a few people have sent this over the last couple days but basically there's this thing called lego ideas and it's a process that lego as a company has where anybody can make can make a a set and then they submit it to this kind of crowdfunding community thing and so if a set a design gets enough upvotes then Lego considers it as something that they would produce and actually sell. And so a lot of the sets that are out now are the result of this process. And then Lego takes it and like refines it and makes it work with all their stuff, whatever. So the one that I wanted to mention here is called the Red Barn Woodshop. And it's a, it's a barn. It's a red barn. And it actually looks like a legit Lego set, but then it opens up and on the inside there's a bunch of, it's like a full power tool wood shop on the inside with like dust collection hoses. And, you know, there's like a, I'm trying to look at the picture close here. There's like a, a planer sitting on a table and there's a drill press in the corner. There's even tiles stuck to the wall with little logos on them, like stickers, <laughs> which is a very like, you know, very Community. YouTube maker thing. Um, it comes with four little characters and little minifigs that represent different types of wood, woodworkers and stuff. The spoon so carver. It's a, carpeted it's floor. It's a very cool The cabinet maker, the spoon carver. Carpeted floor. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it has a turner, a green woodworker, a spoon carver, and a cabinet maker. Those are the characters that are kind of built into it. But it's a really cool little set. And basically, if these sets get, I think, 10,000 upvotes or likes or whatever then it goes into the it gets graduated to the next stage you know with some other sets and then there's a process so it doesn't take anything doesn't cost anything to upvote it i think you just have to sign up for the account but there's some actually really awesome uh sets when you look at this lego idea site the cool thing about it is that it's people that are not lego professional lego designers that just make art with lego as the medium and then they submit it here. So just looking through, you find some kind of mediocre, but then a bunch of just truly amazing creations that people have made with, you know, Lego as a medium rather than like as a toy. So I'll put a link to it. If you want to go support it and try to upvote it, maybe it'll get made, you know, and you can go buy it in the store. Um, we have another podcast, in case anybody's not aware, called No Instructions. Josh and I do. Uh, it's not every week, it's every couple of weeks, but basically we just talk about life and parenting and that type of thing while we build Lego sets. And so there's a video component to it as well. So we sit at the table and we build a model or a Lego set or something, um, you know, just while we're kind of having a conversation. So Lego is a big thing for me and for our house. So this was kind of a sweet spot project right there in the middle. Bob, do you have a step on a Lego with no shoes on? Everybody asks that. Um I don't think I have because I wear shoes. Interesting. <laughs> to bed? Is it bad? No, to bed. You wear shoes to bed? No, but I also don't step on things in bed. <laughs> <laughs> it's silly. I don't think. I, I'm not sure how that would work, but 
No. I never stepped on a Lego, but I have kneeled on a rock, and that's not fun. Mm. Yes. Or a screw. Do you have a kneel on a screw? That's not I fun. I have kneeled on a screw. Not on the pointy part, but on, like, the, the head. Side. You know, yeah, the, the side. Yeah, the side. It's just as bad. Yeah. That's rough. Anyway, well, I think that's it. You guys got anything else? That's a wrap. It's a wrap. It's All a right, wrap well, on Flow State. <laughs> that's a thing that you're so used to saying every day now that you're just part of your life. That's a wrap on dinner. Uh, time for dishes. It's a wrap on dinner. It's uh, You know, it's funny. The, the very last day when we were finished with all the little clips, I had to do some pickups and everything was done. And this, the, the, the crew was kind of breaking off a little bit at a time because whatever their job was, was done for the day, done for the season. It's me and like three cameramen. It's me and three guys and one cameraman and the producers because they had to do some pickups on me. As soon as I was done, Mike, the the over the, the main head showrunner, handed me his mic and goes, "Say it's a wrap on season one." So I said, "Everybody, it's a wrap on season one of the name of the show." And everybody, you could hear people cheer on the property. It was really cool. Oh man, it's like <laughs> that must have really been cute. great. And then he clicked. He goes, now do it on channel three. And I did it now channel two. And I did it so you could hear like the various people who are on different channels. It was cute. It was a really cute moment. Like I didn't expect it. Like I said my last thing that, and Mike goes, that's it. He goes, here, tell everybody it's a wrap. And it was really cute. Uh Hmm. Cool. Well, that's a wrap on this episode. It's a wrap. uh, Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thank you. Love you. (gasps) 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 Oh, I, I love you too.